What's up, boss? This is Abraham's wallet. We span the gap between the austerity of obedience to God and the prosperity rising from faithfulness. Run your home and your dough like a biblical boss. Well, Mark, today I think we're going to get into a subject which I think is going to be kind of uh, an evergreen for our listeners. I think they're probably going to want to know that this episode exists and come back to it over and over when their life calls for it. Uh, everybody experiences what we're going to be talking about today, and everybody needs a little uh, arm around them and some counsel when it happens. Today, we're talking about how to take a loss. Now, would you care to uh, share with our people what was the impetus for us putting these notes together and talking about this subject today? I, I thought we were talking about how to take a punch. I totally prepared for how to take a punch. And it, you want to go with the direction of the punch. Is that right? You want to soften the blow by moving with it? I like to, I like to lean into it and oh. surprise them, meet them a little bit farther forward. You lose Maybe more teeth that way, but you, you, know, you hurt their knuckle a little more. Is it that shows that you're not scared. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think it was actually while we were recording last week. Yes. Um, I I have been kind of sniffing around the crypto space for a while, thinking you know a lot of these these uh, custodians that are supposedly holding crypto for people and paying interest on that crypto. Um, it doesn't totally smell right because they're loaning it out basically on margin and people have to pay it back at some point. Well, if if they've loaned enough out and the price goes down enough, it's kind of like when, when a uh, brokerage, a stock brokerage, <laughs> lets you purchase on margin and then the stock price drops and you were expecting it to go up, which is why you borrowed shares. Um, when the stock price drops a bunch, they do what's called a margin call. And they say, you have to give us more money or you have to close out this position. Um, well, that happened at a very large scale with Voyager, which was one of the platforms that you and I both were using mm -hmm. for, for some low-level crypto playing um and things like that and uh the house of cards basically fell down meaning that everything got locked up and some people that i've talked to since then told me well it just said they were suspending trading temporarily until they can sort things out i don't think that's the case i i actually read an article today that was trying to make the, the argument that people who had crypto and other assets on there would get 80% of what they invested back, which would be delightful. However, I think 5% is more likely. Um, so we're, we're still trying to figure out how much of the assets that were on this platform we might get back someday. But it's a very real possibility that the answer is zero. And so we both were not feeling our best as we talked through the, the reason why Abraham's wallet exists. Yes. Uh, and if you, if you heard that episode and there was just a melancholy cloud over Stephen, <laughs> um, you know, why. Greener gills. he yes. wasn't even think you weren't even thinking about the money you lost as much as the conversation you would be having with your spouse. That's really true. Um, I was so, reminded. I was reminded very quickly of of the uh, Texas oil well that uh, we invested mightily in, and the guy running the whole operation died on us. And then after he died, we found out it was all a sham. Everything he was doing was a sham. And I had I had personally been to the wells. I had seen the I'd seen them pumping oil out of the ground. And it was still all it was it was all a put on, and wow. uh, I didn't create a sense of confidence um, in my wife in my uh, in my forays. Now, of course, we're gonna say it's not like we're putting the uh, family farm into these uh, risky ventures, as we've been saying all along the way, even when crypto was in its infancy and sounding very rosy. Um, 
we had always said two to three percent of your of your uh, investment dollars should go to something that seems that seems a little risky. It seems like a fringe deal. And I'm here to be say on the record, thank you, Mark, for being the level head. I always want to jump into things with both feet. And you talked me off the ledge and said, be circumspect with the dollars. I'm not going to let you put too much in there. And we can, we can live through these losses, but they're never fun. And everybody goes through them. And uh, anybody who actually takes risks and actually tries to go out there, they're going to experience losses at some point. So that's what we want to talk about today. The, the thing that came to my mind was I had a real bad day around age 27 when I was working at Freddie Mac. Um, and I had received quite a bit of, of compensation in equity so stock in the company. And I also, on top of that, had purchased more uh, preferred stock, which is kind of like a high dividend stock that doesn't perform exactly like equity does. But um, I, I remember waking up one day at maybe five or six in the morning with about 50 emails from people at work saying, hey, the uh, secretary of the treasury just kicked the door down and is standing here. And I think they're going to shut us down. And I then <laughs> jumped over to my uh, brokerage account to say, what in the world? And the stock had gone from about $50 a share to about one-tenth of one penny per share. Oh. And it was it was a six-figure loss that I sustained at age 27. Um between the preferreds and the equity. And ever since then, I've been in spots where I was like, you just don't, you, you don't count your, your chickens before they hatch, if you will. I know a lot of our listeners work at like startups. So I worked at a startup where I was patted on the back and told, Mark, you have $2 million worth of equity in this company because we are getting this new round of capital and look how much we're valued at. And I'll tell you how much that $2 million ended up being worth by the time we were done. And it's zero. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, this one felt a little bit more painful in some ways because it was like real money that I had put in in the bank, not not in the bank, but in into a, an investment, whereas these other things were more a part of my compensation at various jobs um so that that didn't feel quite as personal um but uh, i i'm just trying to say i have experienced some loss in my days and going back to our opener i i, I feel like i've learned how to take a punch pretty well in a financial sense great well we're going to give people i think about six or seven tips for dealing with dealing with things and uh uh, let's just walk through our list here. You can you can pick any tip you want out of the list and uh, share share them. But I'm going to start at, at a place where I would think people would expect us to. Uh, people who are, are aware of five capitals, that's where I'm going to start at the top of the list. And yes, I do believe that there is spiritual work to be done when you take a financial loss. It could be, and by the way, when I talk about taking a loss, it could be that you've totaled a car. It could be that you've lost a job. Whatever the whatever your your big loss is, I think these or a things. Cat. No, maybe not a cat. Um, okay, but, but think in terms of. I, I I'm thinking this is going to be applicable applicable to people if if our we lose another twenty percent in the market. Um, in the coming year or people, whatever it is that you have to process to go like, I had this hope, I was building towards this thing, the bottoms fall. It could be you started a, you started a business and you had, you had $15,000 of running room and you, and you spent all that money and the clients never came and you have to fold up shop and you can't renew the lease and that kind of thing, that kind of loss is what I'm thinking of. So I do believe that there is a spiritual component that you have to tackle right up top. I, I honestly believe, I know that this might sound uh, cartoony to think I would actually go here first, but I actually think it's the first thing that you should do when it, when it really hits you. I'm in, I'm in trouble. Um, this isn't going to work out. Is that you have to deal with 
Um, I'm, I know that there are emotions that go along with this. I'm not talking about the emotions. I'm talking about there's an actual spirit of guilt and shame and maybe self-hatred that comes in. And so I think shame is probably the easiest way to deal with it. I mean, I certainly had my tail between my legs um, when I went to talk to my wife. We'll talk about that later. Um, just feeling like, oh, because my mind went to the, the uh, oil uh, investment and thinking I did it again. I I tried. I I thought this seemed like a safe venture. For me, the most bummer thing about what we experienced was that um, it wasn't that we invested in a company that went belly up. It's that we thought we had an actual asset. I thought I had tangible assets of, for instance, bitcoins, and now I don't have those bitcoins anymore. And that is, it's like investing in gold, and then some, somebody dug up your gold, and it's all gone. Um, so I, I just want to make this point. Shame is an evil spirit. Okay. Um, that this is different from guilt over sin, actual sin. If you go gambling and you lose, uh, the, the rent money for the month, you should feel guilt because you have sinned against your family and you should repent and apologize and all those things. I'm talking about the feeling of shame this is a feeling that that can be connected to sin, but I don't think uh, I don't think it's a sin to have invested in something in good faith and have it go belly up. It's an evil spirit that was introduced into the world for the first time in Genesis three at the fall of man, and we can see this shame that Adam felt because he didn't want to relate to God anymore. He wanted to go away and hide, and that shame. Um, keeps you, I want you to hear this because it's so important. You might feel like, well, it's kind of like healthy for me to like um, get my wings clipped a little bit and not feel like I'm all that. Uh, it, it's not humility. Uh, shame isn't humility. It's it's something that, that makes you feel um, that I don't deserve to be connected to God is through this, the kind of is the last thing. Shame leads to a terror of God, meaning if I if God ever got a hold of me, he would at the least spank me and he might destroy me because I'm I'm so worthless. And there's a there's an interesting verse in Job 10, 15. And Job was feeling shame and he said this: even if I'm innocent. I can't lift my head because I'm full of shame. So the shame he was experiencing wasn't based on the truth. He said, even if I'm innocent, I can't lift my head because I'm full of shame. Well, we want to agree with the truth. Okay. So shame wants to keep you, wants to keep you down, wants to keep you uh, uh, having a terror of God and a feeling that you're unworthy in some way. And um, just to just to have a reference for this, I'll throw out Psalm twenty five three, which says, "He who hopes in the Lord," and we're going to talk about reorienting your hope. He who hopes in the Lord will never be filled with shame. That's a great verse. That doesn't mean you're never going to sin. Doesn't mean you're never going to make a mistake. It means that this filthy um, blanket of shame, which is there to destroy your confidence and your hope. Um, to destroy your your sense of I'm a son of God and I'm worthy because he says I am. We got to get rid of that thing. And and I'll, the other thing I'll put my my finger on that you you should deal with spiritually up front is fear because that quickly comes in whenever there's any degree of trauma in your life. Fear wants to get right in and and say to you, "We'll never do this again. I am never going down this road again." It's the thing that keeps you from wanting to get behind the wheel of a car. If you've been in a car accident, you go like, I'm never driving because it's danger everywhere. Well, that's not true. There's, there's not really danger everywhere. But having been part of something that was traumatic makes you feel like it's right around the corner. So about both of those things, I won't do a big teaching on repentance here, but it's good to acknowledge to God, okay, look, I'm dealing with shame and I'm dealing or I'm dealing with fear right now. I just confess it and I agree, God, you see my heart, you see what's happening in me. And I want to agree with you that it's there and I don't want it to be there. So I'm asking you to just clear me of it. And, and in place of fear and shame, I just want to be reminded in my heart and in my mind of the worthiness that I have because you love me and because you say I'm worthy and the fact that I'm going to live my life based in faith 
and not based on fear. So that's what I would say right up top is that let's deal with those spiritual realities. If if I were with you uh, physically while you're processing through this moment and need some encouragement, I would remind you that Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, that a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. And of course, here at Abraham's Wallet, we believe that God wants you to prosper. We believe that if you're faithful over the long haul, it leads to wealth of, of at least five kinds, etc. We believe in all those things. And the fact remains that things go south and that life doesn't always work the way that we want it to. But I would just remind you, just remember that the main thing in your life is, is being conformed into the image of the sun. And it's not that the scorecard at the end of your life will not be, did you make the most of every dollar that came in your way? Have you lost zero dollars? Um, that, that's just a good thing to remember if you think, okay, I, I, I can do an ego thing on myself where I go like, oh, I thought I was so smart and savvy, I would never lose. And losing some, sometimes that's part of the deal. So um, another couple of tips. Remember to be grateful for everything in your life. Deuteronomy 8 describes our being grateful that we even have enough money to invest, that you have the opportunity to start a small business, maybe that failed, that you have the brain uh, power and the energy to, to go venture in, in any sort of way. I want to present my life to God and say everything that I have, I, I, I tried to be a good steward of what you gave to me. And it's just a reaction of mine to go to God and go like, I'm sorry. I'm, I, things things took a bad turn here and um, I'm sorry. And, and yet I, I need to be reminded by you that, that the scorecard at the end is more about faithfulness and heart toward God than it is, did everything succeed? I think those are very important to remember. God, what I did, I did in faith. I leave the results to you. I try to be as wise as I can, and still I can't see everything the way that you do. So you got to turn those things over to God. Do you have any tips or even what not to do of, of how you shared this this particular news and past yes. losses? Are we going there? Yes. So you, you, you were talking about the, the second capital, which is relationally, and the most important one would be with your spouse. So I thought of four things in this space um, with uh, particularly sharing with your spouse. And the first one that I would say, which is take the low place and humble yourself. So if you did the first thing and you've actually dealt with God on it and you've kind of processed through, okay, I know you still love me. I know you 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 don't call me a loser and a failure, and this is part of this is part of the process. And by the way, I'll interrupt here and say I was kind of talking about this story, not exactly the episode. Hey, we're going to talk about this, but just this just this event with my mom. And my mother told me about and and uh, some of you have heard uh, previous episodes with my my father and all of the crazy stories of his life. My mom told me a story of my dad coming home one night and telling my mom, and this is in, this is like in 82, 83. So I, I'm can only guess what this money was worth that he had written a check for $25,000. They were not rich people. That was a heck of a lot of money to them because a friend at work had told him about this sure thing, some kind of stock tip around the water cooler. The next day, it all it went to zero. The next day, I was like, "Was he was he busted up about it?" And she's like, "Oh, he was so torn up about it and felt so horrible." And anyways, my first tip would be just take the low place with your spouse. And if you have done this previous work of dealing with God, receiving forgiveness if you need to, kind of getting shame off of you then you should be able to go to your spouse without without this kind of plaintive, would you support me right now? Because I'm feeling kind of unsure about myself that we get into that uh, problem a lot with with our wives. And it would be better if we could go to them having already dealt with God, say, come come with this low place, humble attitude. I have bad news and I feel horrible about it. 
And I just got to tell you, I mean, I, I got us into something that, that blundered or, or, you know, whatever my wife knew was well aware that we were in crypto and she was always shrugging her shoulders about it. Oh, so I would take the low place in a, in a humble way. And then this sounds crazy, but I think it's wise just to just sit there and just take whatever venting happens as a result of it. Oh, I didn't think we should do that. Oh, why do you always get us into these messes? Whatever she needs to say, maybe she'll have more self-control than that, but maybe she won't. And whatever she needs to say, just let her vent. That's part of your job as a shepherd, I think. Let her vent. Try, fellas, I wish I could put my hands on your shoulders. Try to not get defensive about it or take it personally. And just, just let her say whatever she needs to say. Um, to react. I think it would be great if you could then talk her through the time that you had with God and and say to her, you know, I'm disappointed as you are. And I, I was really struggling and I started feeling sick at my stomach. Now I'm quoting myself what I said to my wife. I, I started to feel sick at my stomach and I started thinking like, I'm too smart to have things like this happen to me. And I thought I had I thought I had already experienced all the failure that I need to experience, et cetera, et cetera. And so I prayed about it and I went back to this verse and I felt like God said this and I was reminded that this is the point of life. Now she might not say, that is so encouraging, honey. You are so spiritual. This is a wonderful moment. Can we pray together? She might, she might suck her teeth and roll her eyes and go, yeah, thanks for spiritualizing, you know, the $20,000 that we just lost. She, I don't know how she'll respond, but just invite her into your process. And then please, for goodness sake, try to not get defensive um, and, and try not to take it personally. And my, my little last tip that I think is helpful around this point would be to reassure her, fellas, your wife, has entrusted her life to you. I know you did the same thing. I know that I've, I've performed weddings, plenty of them. I know how it works, but she has entrusted her life to you and she is trusting you to lead. And the fact is that you're going to, you're not going to lead every single place that you lead is not going to turn up roses. That's just the facts. So it's, it'd be very good for you to reassure your wife. Now you can't lie to her and say, I will never make any more mistakes for as long as we live. You can't say that, but you can reassure her that like, I take responsibility for this. I will work as hard as I need to, to make sure that we are financially secure. Again, I'm disappointed like you are. With God's help, I'm going to be wiser about our future ventures. And I just want you to know, I take responsibility and I'm not, I'm not going to, I won't roll over. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to say, well, we can't fight chance, you know, all of that nonsense. Just say like, I'm here for you and I'm, I'm taking responsibility. I think that's about as good as you can do in that kind of a situation. What do you think? Just thinking through the conversation that I had here, the facts of the matter were not very important uh, in that conversation. For so, sure. um, because the, the initial reaction, like you said, was displeasure um, <laughs> and you know we we own a bunch of other assets and they go up and down in value all the time and mm -hmm. i'm like okay this is how much we lost but we made that much yesterday when, when the stock market was up um, now we didn't actually make it because we didn't sell anything but um this is my my inner instinct was to come with hey this isn't that big of a deal because I've hedged our risk and appropriately exposed us here and um, all that. It, that wasn't the helpful no. advice in that moment. So, um, but what I would say is it was helpful a little bit later. So um, what are we going to do now? Because that like, that seems like a lot of money. Well, honey, let me, let me remind you, that we have a financial plan and it incorporated that we would have losses like this. So um, there was a time not to bring in that data. And then there was a time where that data was actually very helpful. And 
I never heard heard from her again in terms of like anger because she went, Oh, well, when you, when you put it in that context, fine onward. I think if you, if you don't have that, a lot of people that are listening to this don't have that plan. They don't, they can't go to their spouse and go, well, honey, we did just lose whatever, $10,000, but I've, I've got a plan and it's not derailed by such a thing. If, yeah. if you don't have that, you really should. And it doesn't have to be a professionally produced um, financial plan that goes and uses all the fancy software that we use. But uh, you should have a general plan that says this is how much we're going to invest over time. And we know kind of we're going to take a few Barry Bond swings for the fences. But for the most part, we're going to invest in boring stuff that has a reliable rate of return. And um, that that will give you the tools you need, I think, to say, hey, here's where we're at, uh, even in the midst of big losses. I think that can be helpful, even if you are investing in boring stuff. And the stock market drops 20%. That can be a huge amount of money. Maybe you just have a 401k and it was $100,000 and now it's 80. Well, that can be disconcerting unless you have a plan that says, oh, we knew that in some years this was going to happen. And in some years we're going to have huge years and neither one should change our our emotional well-being because over the long term, we we have a plan. So um, that's that's just me kind of plugging the value of being able to zoom up to 30,000 feet when things like this happen and go, did anything fundamentally change? If the answer is no, then we go, that's a real bummer and we move on. If the answer is yes, we might need to change our long-term plan. You know, there are losses that can change a long-term plan. Losing a business might change the planning you need to do. And it might say, hey, we actually need to rework some of our plans. Um, But um, if you haven't even done the work to sort of map out what you're after financially and what you can expect over the long term, things like that, then it's hard to it's hard to have that in your pocket for times like this. Great point. And and we're gonna get to uh regrouping financially um at the end of this discussion and what to do about that. But I think having a plan is probably near the top of that near the top of that list of things to do. So and certainly brings comfort to yourself and to your family, which is, hey, we do have a plan here. Um, one other thought on relation, relationally, relationship-wise, an old maxim is a problem shared is a problem halved. And so we wrote an article way back in the day, I think you probably wrote it, um, about having a board of directors. And that was that's people in your life that you trust, that know your financial situation, are pulling in the same direction you are, and you can be explicit about your finances with. Um, again, I'll speak from experience and say, just to have two or three friends that know everything about my world, their eyes aren't going to bug out. You invested that much, you know. You have that. You have that big of a four hundred one k, and they're also not. Um, they're also not going to laugh at you for uh, having law had taken a big loss. Um, just to have some friends that you can talk to that will sympathize with you. It actually means a huge amount to have somebody just, uh, emotionally put their arm around you and say, Hey man, life happens to all of us. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry for you that that happened. It's actually a big deal to kind of reorient yourself to, to reality and, and get past things. So, I just throw that in again, like it's, it's humbling, of course, to share with a friend, but I'd rather my friends knew the real me and what's actually going on. Um, I just came here from sitting down at coffee with, with somebody who, and of course, this is somebody I hadn't seen in a couple of months. And what's the first question? How are, how are you really doing? And I was, when I, I get asked that question, I always size up like the last week and sort of summarize like, well, it hasn't been a perfect uh, last week, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell that story because a friend I trusted. So uh, relationships, 
Well, let's move on into our thinking. I'll just say that I think there are some things to remind ourselves of when, when we're, uh, as we're thinking about um, taking a loss. And there's really a main one thought that if, if you just went through it, if, if you just, I don't know what happened, you, how you, something got repossessed. Uh, I don't know. I would just say to you as, as a, as a friend, I would want you to remember that if you're in the venturing and faith and building business, that ventures entail risk and reiterate to yourself, we're not going to shrink back. Uh, Again, if we get rid of fear, I want to have the attitude that we're we're not going to just try to minimize our losses for the rest of our lives. No, that's not what we're about. That's we are not those kind of men. If I can assign Hebrews ten thirty nine to us, we are not the kind who shrink back and are destroyed. On the contrary, we keep trusting and thus preserve our lives. Is one translation of Hebrews ten thirty nine. We keep trusting, and we thus preserve our lives. And if you are in the following Jesus and building a godly home business, you are in the faith business, which means we're trusting in things that we can't see. We will sometimes put our foot out there into the darkness and find, oh, I I took a misstep. Okay, that's not the end of the world. It's okay. But we're not going to um, shrink back from all risks from here forward. Yes, we're going to get more savvy. Yes, we're going to be more shrewd. And maybe it's applicable that you you took a wrong turn and you should be more suspicious and more leery going forward. But we are going to continue to take measured risks. So I can't think of this topic. I can't even say that sentence without thinking of this passage. I'm going to read this. I'm going to read more of this passage than I think we've read in any uh, context before. This is uh, one of our favorite little passages about investing, and it's where you find diversification in the Bible. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Here's what it says. Cast your bread onto the surface of the waters. And um, the, the Amplified says, be diligently active and make thoughtful decisions because you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even divide it to eight for you do not know what misfortune may occur on the earth. Isn't that interesting that God puts that in the word? Hey, you don't know what's coming tomorrow. You don't know what misfortune is coming your way. So it says, cast your bread on the water in seven and eight divisions. If the clouds are full of, this is verse three, if the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north in the place where the tree falls, there it lies. He who watches the wind waiting for all conditions to be perfect, will never sow seed. And he who looks at the clouds will not reap a harvest. Just as you don't know the way and path of the wind, and you don't know how bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman. Interesting phrase there, verse 5 of Ecclesiastes 11. Just as you don't know how the bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, even so you do not know the activity of God who makes all things. So sow your seed in the morning and don't be idle with your hands in the evening. For you don't know whether morning or evening planting will succeed, whether this or that, whether both alike will be good. So I love that passage. I hope it reinstates some courage in you to go like, okay, even if we get snake bit and we learn, okay, don't go down that path anymore, but I got a little wiser here. And the Jewish, the Jewish reading of that passage is that we must invest up to six or seven or eight times in various things before we become savvy. Now, of course, we wouldn't encourage you to randomly write checks to anybody that walks in your door for every, but but you're going to be you're going to learn as you go. You're going to to be more shrewd as you go. And but we can't stop taking risks. Um, this is this is part of what we've been made to do. We're going to step out in faith. We're going to believe, and we can't be among people who shrink back. Yeah, it's interesting too that that verse calls out that specific number. I mean, it's very close to the number that 
we always talk about in venture capital investing with, you know, when you're going to invest in these high risk new business opportunities, you assume that you need to invest about 10 times because out of 10, one of those investments is going to be a grand slam. Mm -hmm. A couple of them are going to return your investment to you. Meaning if you put, I don't know if you're a venture capitalist, if you put $10 million in, you'll get $10 million back. And then the rest of them will go to zero. Mm -hmm. You and I have both invested in, in small businesses that other people started. Mm -hmm. And I, I all the time, this is a place where I I get people coming to me and saying, Mark, I've got my friend starting a business. I've got an, I, an opportunity to put some money in. Should I do it? And I say, as long as you can do it 10 times, then I'm all for it. Mm -hmm. um, but that's, that's kind of... Uh, this is one of the reasons we started Abraham's Wallet is because the Bible actually instructs us on some best practices for how to handle yeah. um, resources. And one of them is scatter scatter uh, upon the water multiple times. Don't, yep. don't just dump all of your money into one thing. And when you approach things that way, you also don't have that step one shame feeling when something loses. Right. Uh, because that's, you go, that's oh, exactly right. This is one of my, this is one of my learnings. I, I expect that I'm going to, to have a, you know, 300 batting average here. And so it's not remotely shocking to me when I strike out on any particular at bat, as long as I, as long as I kind of plan accurately so can is, you hear the planning the planning <laughs> that's that's very important that. to me that is so good um to say to yourself i'm going for a 300 batting average i mean i hope your average is better than that on your finances but to, to think okay i struck out this one well back to the drawing board how can i learn from this and well, that's part of the plan yeah and 300 batting average is if we're investing in early stage startups, right? right. That's different because one of them, your $10 million investment, if it's you're a couple, is going to become a billion dollars. Right, and, right, right. And that's fine. If it's not for you and I and our 401ks, <laughs> yeah. we're not spending about 300 there. <laughs> there we are actually, you know, somebody posted on Twitter today and I liked the tweet. They said, um, you don't need a high risk tolerance to invest wisely in the stock market. You just need a high variance tolerance, mm. meaning you need to be comfortable with ups and downs. But over time, history says it's not actually very risky. Right. Um, so, um, yeah, I'm not saying that we all are going to lose in 70% of our investments. I am saying that in certain types of investments, and I think we're learning that DeFi crypto lending would be one of those. Uh, <laughs> your betting average might be at best thirty percent. Right, right. Th that brings us to the the last category, which is regrouping financially. So, what 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 it, what are your recourses financially? And you take a loss. Um, again, I'm go I'm going to let Mark take this, but I, again, I'm I'm just going to warn again: don't revert into a poverty mindset. Um, Proverbs 6, 10 through 11 says, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and want like an armed man. So what we don't want to do is to go, I'm going to pull into my turtle shell. I'm going to take all of my money out. I'm going to uh, put it in silver, uh, and bury it in the field behind my house and so that nobody can ever hurt me again financially. That is not the right move. So that's what, that's what poverty does or says even worse, well, we don't have any faith in the future, so why don't we blow it? Why don't we just go have a blast because you, we can't ever believe in the future? No, we're, we're not doing that. We're not going to go into that poverty mindset. We're going to regroup. And so what, what are some tips for us then on that front, Mark? I already gave away tip number one, which is either go back to the plan or uh, if you have never done a plan, then take it as a kick in the butt and say, it's time for me to do a financial plan. 
Um, that's what you and I do all week long is we help people create financial plans. I don't think, Stephen, that your reaction to losing all your crypto is to say, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to buy five Bitcoins and put them in a different in a different custodian. No, it was not. Yeah, I think that underneath, especially financial losses, is often some stripe of greed. Um, not always. Sometimes we just go, oh, that was a loss. And we, again, hopefully we, we were expecting to take some losses and this is one of them. But sometimes we can learn from it. So for me, I looked back at this and I said, why did I not have more scrutiny on this particular company that I trusted. And I thought, you know, there's been a theme in in some of the situations where I have lost money is that I was looking for yields that were significantly, significantly mm-hmm. above what the market offers. And that doesn't mean that I shouldn't look for high yielding investments. It does mean that I am learning, hey, there is a risk-adjusted rate of return in the world. This is mm-hmm. something very few people understand. You know, the people who say, why would you invest in boring stocks when you can make 50% on this thing? Yeah. Well, they don't understand that there is a risk-adjusted rate of return. And if there wasn't, then anytime somebody shows up and says, I'll pay you 15% um, with no risk, then every institutional investor in the world would jump into that and it would no longer pay 15%. Yeah. So there, there's a risk-adjusted rate of return Um, and I just noticed through reflecting on this particular one, I have been susceptible to saying, well, maybe I'm the only one in the room who's noticing that you can get more over here. That's an opportunity I would take when you experience a a loss, which is to say, is there something I can see as a pattern that maybe would help me be better equipped to make good decisions in the future? Um, and, you know, can I just raise a little flag next to this event and say, let this serve as a reminder um, when a similar opportunity comes along? Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the wake of a loss, you do have to actually rebuild financially. So if you just lost your whole emergency fund, you need an emergency fund. That might mean taking an extra shift. Um, it might mean getting a job. Let's say that you have been, you know, an entrepreneur and you have a certain amount of income and it works for your family, but it's not quite enough to build up a pool of emergency funds. Well, you need to figure that out. Right. And you might actually need to go experience a little bit of pain and hire yourself out to recoup some of the loss. Humbling yourself. Uh, Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be afraid to do that. Um, maybe it's, maybe it's not going and earning more, but it's sacrificing somewhere else. Hey, we're n- we're going to do a national park for vacation this summer instead right. of Greece. Um, although traveling abroad right now, very economically viable due oh. to the strength of the dollar, but yeah. maybe we'll, maybe we'll do a different episode on that. <laughs> um, so I, I think you have to say, and, and that honestly, that goes back to the plan, which is. Was this an exogenous shock to my family's financial situation that needs to be remedied? Or was this a part of the plan and the the track that we were on already anticipated bumps like the one I just felt? I'm looking up the word exogenous. Oh, from the very, outside. Very strong. So at a bare minimum, step one is to go back to review the plan and see where where are we it might be time for rebalancing right mark if something has gone up and something's gone down would would it might be a time to reshuffle money into various places yes the crypto was in my super high risk bucket yeah if we imagine that it's all gone which i kind of do yeah. um <laughs> i don't have a whole lot of super high risk money out there uh, I had some investments in some companies like direct investments in companies that friends had started and those have closed out. So honestly, as, as much as this sounds crazy, one of my steps might be to deploy some risky money because my risky money thought. is no longer there. Right. Um, it would be exactly the opposite if I had foolishly been thinking of that as my emergency fund money then i would need to actually de-risk myself yes um but 
that's kind of one of the things that we do when we're working with families is we look at all of their assets, um, specifically investments, and say, when we look at all of the different accounts and where it is, including cash, um, what's the risk profile of this family? What's their unique risk tolerance? Sometimes a big enough shock can actually change your risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. But usually we think of risk tolerance as kind of more like a personality trait. Right. And do we need to make any changes when there's a big a, a big jolt that occurs? Uh, some people will actually get riskier when this happens. Like if you lost a hundred grand and you woke up the next morning and thought, well, that wasn't so bad. You could be you could be tempted to Let's just put it go all on it again. Right. <laughs> so how you'll respond to loss really is going to be different for each person. The point is you need an overarching plan that thinks about this is the track our family's on when it comes to money and we're prepared for variance, but we're going to stick with a plan. Uh, and not respond and try to pivot and juke based on the events that are most recent in our memories or right in front of our face. That's great. Well, in closing, I would just tell people that you should give yourself the grace to have a period of time. You should probably define it early on so that your emotions don't don't declare it, but have a time where you lick your wounds and you uh, reset, and you look over your plan. I want to say to everybody, this sounds bizarre because I'm not looking at anybody in the face. As your financial Abrahamic friends, I'm sorry. You know, I know that it is, it's just hard um, to go through something where you, uh, where you failed, where something failed and you feel the loss over it. We're with you. I'm sorry. And also, um, as as your friend, I would tell you that it's impossible to go through this life without taking some losses and some defeats and some black eyes and get some dents to your confidence. What we pray for you is that your experience will produce long-term wisdom for you. And you won't, as we said, you won't shrink back and you won't uh, give up on the Ecclesiastes 11 concept of faithfully distributing money out because as it says, you don't know what's going to pay off. You don't know what the future brings. And so we just want to be continually diligently um, sowing to, to the um, faithful belief that, that uh, prosperity is coming. So those are my closing thoughts. Anything from you, Mark? Well, I was just thinking we jumped straight into it this week. Um, Yes. We didn't. We didn't banter at all. No. Have we ever considered a closing banter? I'm very open to it. That would be wild. I don't know if the people are prepared for that degree of zaniness, but yeah, we could do it. Well, you know this. I just said goodbye to eight children that were under my care because we we added a new member to the family uh, in yesterday, I guess. So I had all the cousins over here while their mom, my sister, gave birth to a new baby. Okay, I was about to say, you don't mean that you have a new baby. You mean your extended family. Yeah, yeah, extended family. Yeah. If I had a new baby, we would have have not been doing this if I had a new baby yesterday. Um, But uh, so that was fun news. And... And we're celebrating a 12th birthday today. So it's kind of a celebration of birth happening over at the Parrot House. That, that, That's that will be the Shabbat theme tonight. Oh, yeah. It's fun to have a little uh, star of the Shabbat and somebody that you can celebrate and honor. It's great. Yep. We'll be having a bunch of preteen girls over here at the same time. So we'll be kind of combining Shabbat and late over, which I don't know if this is a thing for you, but I've heard of a late over private Christian school land. Everybody um, has kind of agreed with us that we're not big fans of sleepover. Okay. So late over is become the thing where people stay at a party until, you know, 1130 or 12. And then their parents come and pick them up. Parents pick and up 12 years at 1130. I hate it. So I'm willing to do it for my child's birthday because that's what she wanted to do. But I'm a big no on others. I'm like, you can, I go to bed at 
10 at the latest. So uh-huh. I might be willing to stay up till 1030 and come pick you up. But that's as late as my late overs go. Uh, speaking of uh, wonderful celebratory things, uh, tell the people about your sneaker news. Supposedly, I have been invited to be on the Nike panel where I can tell them things about their shoes. Now, I have not received any invites to say yes to a pair of shoes. So we'll see if it if it shakes out or not. And you will be able to tell them after wearing a shoe for a couple of weeks, you know, make your Chinese slaves work harder to make these more profitable or bouncy or comfortable or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I I'm really curious what it's going to look like cuz I I would love to just be I mean, you know me. I'm not exactly a fashion icon. This is why sneakers are a hobby because you can just wear jeans and a t-shirt and have some cool <laughs> sneakers and people think that you've dressed well. You're in, yeah. Well, you you being in that sneaker world, you're touching on one of the great loves of my life, which is giving my opinion about anything. And I, the, the primo example of this in my life, we, we have a, a good friend who is a owner of restaurants and he's a chef. And we got to go to a, a preview evening when they were trying out the menu. And by the way, this was a this was a modern Mexican restaurant in Cincinnati. So it just couldn't have been more right down, right down my lane. And I got to go to a preview evening and we were handed out at the preview, these like surveys, give us your thoughts on every dish and what you think of the service and the layout of the place. Oh man, I was in heaven. I got to eat everything on the menu for free and opine all night long about everything. And it it's a delight to me. So maybe you can do that some with your shoes and say, you know, I like it, except the way the toe feels when I'm turning left. And, and I don't know about this. You know, that that would be delightful. Yeah. Well, I'll keep you posted. If I get if I get anything, I'll bring it here on the Abraham's Wallet podcast. We are currently nine subscribers away from 100 subscribers on the YouTube channel. Uh-huh. So it'd be nice if people would just go subscribe to us. I have done my part. We, we had about 20 extra subscribers for a while uh-huh. because I, whenever we were on vacation and there was like a smart TV that was left logged into someone's oh, YouTube, kidding. I would just go ahead and subscribe them to the Abraham's Wallet podcast. <laughs> If you're out there and that's how you found us, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But welcome. It's one of those channels where um, we see how many people listen to us on audio and the vast and overwhelming majority of those people listen on the Apple podcast app, yeah. although Spotify is taking ground. Mm. Um, but YouTube is a place where I think that it's actually easier for us to share stuff and there's commenting and things like that. So I would love to see that audience grow. And if you're out there and feeling generous, I don't care if you ever watch it. No. Just go give us a subscribe. Yeah, sure. All so right. That's my Good. pitch and promo for the week. All right. We need nine. Good to know. We need nine pitches and promos? No, you need nine subscribers. Uh, to- yeah. Yeah. We just need nine people. a gold star on your chest. And then we need 900 after that to get to 1,000, which feels like another benchmark. So either way, you could, if if there's 909 of you out there, let's go for 1,000 right now. Okay. Lastly, there's going to be some Abraham's Wallet news coming. Is it going to come next week or the following week? I hope so. That'd be great. Well, there's big news. So big that we've been sitting on it now for months. Yes. And um, we're so close to birthing this this news baby. That's true. <laughs> so watch this space for the news baby. Okay. Until Bye. then, see you later. <laughs>